Hello, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Banter, the podcast aimed at bringing you your dose of murder relaxation. So just sit back and enjoy. Hi, oh, you beat, beat you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever liar. opened first. <laughs> Hello, just everyone. Felt right, you know. It, it sometimes it just does, yeah. you know. Yeah. And now it feels weird. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> I'm just messing Make with you. Weird. Hello, everyone. Welcome Hi. to another episode of the True Crime Banter Podcast. Hello. Um, we've got some banter and yeah. a nice little five second song game. Mm-hmm. It's returning. Uh, before we do and. An actual and, story. And, oh, oh, yes. And, <laughs> so and we, we got a lot of stuff going well. on. So uh, yeah. you've got some banter to start yes. the day. What do you got? Um, the explanation to it, I'm going to try to be quick because that's not in my nature. So I'm going to try. Um, but today I was, so I mentioned this, I think maybe once or twice, but I'm a private nanny. And so today I was at the playground and I was only with one of the kids. Um, the older one, so I didn't need to be like as on point, if that makes sense. So he's just okay. playing with his friends, whatever. So Cruise I decided, control. yeah, yeah. So I can kind of relax a little bit more, which was nice. And so he's just playing with his friends. So I had my headphones in and yeah, it's also nice because then nobody bothers me. So that's great too. But I like it so far. I was in my zone listening to, I think it was the Monstruo. So it's the little like... It's the Sword and Scale. It's the creators of Sword and Scale, but they have made like five different like gotcha. sub podcast kind of thing. Okay. Offshoots. Yeah. And they haven't. Anyway, I'm new to it. Anyway, whatever. But it's extra dark, right? Like it's like that's what it's all about is like really graphic. Okay. Which is my jam. And so I was listening to it like la 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 in my own zone. And then the kid came up to me that I nanny and he was like asking me a question. So I took my headphones out. And so I like switched back into like nanny mode and we're like figuring out like a problem. There's like applesauce involved or something. And then like put the headphones back in and where it left off was like, and then he cut off her head and it was like (laughs) a whole thing. Right. And ripped her guts out. Okay. And yeah. And he was like the feel of her intestines in his hands and like this whole thing. And I was like, whoa and then it kind of I almost like started laughing to myself because I just kind of thought I wonder how many other people out there are like also parents not that I am but you know doing parent things or doesn't have to be at the playground but like where do you fit in your true crime like where do you okay you know what I mean like how many other people I wonder too that are like at the playground that are also listening to fucked up shit that are into the same stuff you know but it's kind of that duality of like you can still be someone nurturing and have kids and a family, but also like have interests that are dark. Yeah. And like, how do you balance the two? You know, mine was kind of in a funny moment today, but maybe other people are like when their kids are napping and they're cleaning or something and they have like their headphones on talking about like morbid shit. So maybe it's more of a parent kind of thing that I'm saying. Like when do parents get their like weird thing? Okay. Like when yeah, you yeah. listen to your weird stuff or your Maybe you're on a jog Maybe or something. Maybe not child-friendly or... stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Where do you like fit in? Or like funny moments you found yourself listening to it. No one suspected you were listening to it. Right. At like, you know, yeah, you're an right. elementary school teacher <laughs> or something. Or I don't fucking know. So 
Yeah, that's. Uh, that I rem- guess you'd say that's my banter. That kind of reminds me. Question. You can, those have you ever seen like those like YouTube shorts? I guess, I guess like TikTok type videos where uh, it's like parents dropping their kids off at school. And it's like hardcore rap music yeah, yeah, yeah. going in. Yeah, or, or, I mean, or I guess like yeah, teachers too, right. where they're like, you know, about to start the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're listening to DMX or some yeah. shit. Yeah, uh, essentially okay. the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I'm throwing like a wide net out there. Like, well, what I'll do, and it's been a few episodes since I did this. I've mm-hmm. been kind of slacking. Um, I'm, I'm going to pose that as our oh, okay. question on Spotify. Then. Yeah. So if you do listen to this episode on Spotify. Curious or to see how you word that. Where, yeah, wherever you, really just where do you listen to your true crime podcast? Yeah. Slash win. Yeah. Slash. How do you fit it in? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well. Uh, the answer. I liked it. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you guys didn't like it, I think I got something coming up Ooh. that you will like. And it is the return of the five second song game. So. This is a updated version of it. I'm here to either lose for you guys or win for you guys. Yes, we'll I've, I've really prepped something in this because not only do you have <sighs> only five second clips of songs, mm-hmm. you only have 15 seconds to guess the name and the artist. Okay. And at five seconds, after the 15 seconds are almost over, yeah. you will hear a little fun noise letting you know, hurry the it's fuck up. It's probably not fun. It's probably very stressful. And I thought, you know, this episode is going to be coming out Memorial Day weekend. For, I guess, our American listeners. Mm-hmm. And to me, uh, Memorial Day weekend is usually like the first holiday right before summer starts. Okay. And so I thought I would pick five songs that all have the word summer in their title. Oh, I thought this was definitely going to be like a patriotic thing. Oh, like there was going to be some Toby Keith or something. No, it was, um, you know, I almost went that route. And it got like really like sad and dark. And I oh like, God! <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> shit. Okay. No, they're just um, you know we're not big fans of like country and a lot of those right. songs true, are true, true, true. And I was like, you yeah. know what? Let's just go a different route. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. here are five songs. You get a half a point for the name. Okay. Half a point for the artist. Are you gonna keep track? I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, we can add it up. And remember, the end, all of these songs have the word "summer" in their title. Okay. So here we go with song number one. Is it Summer Breeze? That's half a point. Okay. Okay. You got nine seconds. Um, oh, fuck. Oh, that's right. There's a timer. Um, Three. I don't. Two. I don't know. One. Something Dupree. Seals and Crops, <laughs> I do Why believe. I think Dupree. <laughs> that's pretty close. No. <laughs> yeah. It seems breeze. like a 70s like. I got it. Yeah. Okay, I'll Good take job. it. So half, that's a, half point. a point for you. I'm just gonna pretend right. everyone's clapping for me. Thank you, everyone. Good job. I'm good job. Use That's it half to a point propel for me you. forward. Okay. All right. Song number two. Okay. Is it just summer? Summertime? Um. Oh God. It. It's not Will Smith. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Final answer? I've never. No, I don't know. All right, final answer. Fuck. I don't know. Summer. It, it is summertime. Will Smith, or you could say DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Summertime. <gasps> Pretty good. Pretty good guess. Did I get it both You got it. So you're at one Whoa, and a half You guys. Points. Okay. Wow. All right. I'm actually so impressed with myself. <laughs> That wow. was pretty good. That almost never think, works out. I don't think you were really sure. You just kind of no, yeah. You just 
that I, really I just came from the depths of me. Well, uh, just the two of us or something like that. Probably. Like a, okay. All right. Probably. Song number three. Okay. Songs with the name or the word summer in the title. Okay. Summertime Sun is Lana Del Rey, right? Damn, you, how did you, I wasn't sure if you were going to be able to get that one. Didn't, weren't you just singing this the other I, night? I was, <laughs> but that's such like a weird like um, intro, like the first five seconds. Oh, I'm sorry, I still got to <laughs> My stress <laughs> levels just went up. <laughs> oh God, the, the first five seconds of that song, yeah. like, I've never heard it. I don't, but I've only heard it on the radio, so. Okay. That's probably yeah, why. Yeah, I, I really it. had a hard on for her, like when I don't know when she first came out. Yeah, I mean, that's hella a, moody. That song's almost like ten years old now. It's kind of weird. Yeah, kinda weird to think. All right, song number four. So you're at two and a half points. Okay. Oh my god, is it the summer of '69? Is it Brian Adams? Damn, <laughs> you got it again. I literally, okay. that song comes on all my old man channels. I listen to. <laughs> Yeah. I think one of my Pandora stations called like dad vibes or something. <laughs> it's my favorite music. Yeah, this one yeah, yeah it's a, that's a I feel like a like a summer classic. Like I feel Ugh. like it's what you would say, ooh, almost a driving fast song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. not quite, but well, it's, it's one on of them. Way. Yeah, it could be. So three and a half Potential. points out of four possible so far. You're doing okay. great. Can you okay. get to over eighty percent? Oh god, I don't know. I'm, right. I'm not good at math. I'll try. You just gotta get half a point here <laughs> okay, on this right. one. The last one. Here we go. Oh my god. Is this Summer Eleven with the fucking Grease from, oh. from the movie Grease? Yeah, is it 12 not? Twelve seconds. Oh, is it I'm not? I'm gonna give you ten seconds. Summer Eleven? Summer mm-hmm. of Love? Mm-hmm. What? No. Um almost by Danny uh. and Sandy. Uh okay, I'll give Summer you Love and Have Me a Blast. Okay, I'll give it I believe the name of the song is Summer Nights. Oh the best part of the song. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, you Was this the song it. she sings at the sleepover? This is the very beginning when they're uh or early on where they're like yeah, Tell dude. me more, tell me more. Oh. She's saying that it's called Summer Nights. I believe so, and it's you should know Olivia if you're Newton-John the John is the yeah. real artist for it, obviously. Right. But yeah. So Summer Nights. Oh, I would because it's I mean, you know, summer loving. You would think it'd be that. That's weird. But the ending. Yeah, and it's amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, you did. You did good enough. You got four. All out right. Of five. So, all right. I'll take uh, it. As promised, your That's prize is a. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. No prize for you. <laughs> oh my God! What was that? Uh, the prize was that, influenza. That was what to was be that? Somebody uh, breaking up a phone call. What the fuck was that? <laughs> like the I'm... black lung. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, that is. Um, <laughs> if you guys joined along, let us know how you did. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, but now, now we're just gonna get right into the case. How's that sound? This is so great. Going to be the case of. The Robeson family. Or, if you're looking it up, it's also known as the Goodhart Murders. Yes. The year is 1968, and it's a hot summer day in Goodhart, Michigan. 
This usually small town sees a huge spike in visitors during the summer when families travel here to enjoy the heat, staying in cabins near the lake where secluded cottages are tucked away for privacy. It's at one of these cabins that some elderly women are outside having a bridge party and trying to stay cool. After sitting outside for a bit, one of the women noticed a foul odor that she just couldn't ignore. The other women noticed it too, and when the community caretaker, Chauncey Bliss, happened to be passing by, she brought it up and he went to investigate. Now, I will say that in some articles, the name of the caretaker, it kind of varies. So I'm just going to call him Chauncey because that's where it was stated more than once. There was Monty and Monty. Okay. They all had Bliss as the last name, but it kind of varied. So Chauncey it is. Chauncey Sue it is. me if I'm wrong. This was a very woodsy area. People came here to enjoy the secluded nature, and Chauncey thought perhaps an animal had died, and if that was the case, he needed to get rid of it so that the tenants could enjoy their stay without having to plug their noses outside. He walked around for a little, following the smell, until he came upon another cabin that was being rented by the Robeson family. Richard, Shirley, and their four kids had rented it for the summer, and Chauncey had gotten to know them. As he got closer, the smell worsened, and as he walked up to the door to knock, he noticed what looked like bullet holes in the glass window pane. At first, he thought it may have been pellet gun holes from the children playing around, but just in case, he opened the door, and without a doubt, this was the origin of the smell. Unfortunately for Chauncey, his quest to track down the odor had landed him smack dab in the middle of a crime scene. Inside were the bullet-riddled and bludgeoned bodies of 42-year-old Richard, 40-year-old Shirley, 19-year-old Richard, 17-year-old Gary, 12-year-old Randy, and the youngest, 7-year-old Susan. Chauncey fled as fast as he could to telephone police, and what followed was the unraveling of a story that Goodhart never wanted to be known for. Police arrived as fast as they could, hardly believing the news, especially in a town as safe as Goodhart. Once on the scene, police found everything Chauncey mentioned, starting with the bullet holes in the side of the house. Working from the outside in, it appears shots had been fired from quite a distance, seemingly aimed toward Richard, who had been sitting in a recliner chair in front of the window, and young Randy had been standing near him, also being struck during this firing. They then believed the killer entered the cabin, where he fired at Shirley, who had been sitting on the couch, then fired at little Susan, who had been sitting on the ground near her mother. The two oldest boys were found in the back bedroom, where police think they had fled after playing cards at the dinner table, trying to get to the gun that was kept in the bedroom closet. Unfortunately, they hadn't been fast enough. It's then thought that the killer either brought with them a hammer or one was found nearby, and for whatever reason, possibly being out of bullets, he finished off little seven-year-old Susan and the father, Richard, with the hammer. Examining the bodies, it was apparent why the women weren't able to ignore the smell outside from many houses away. This was July in northern Michigan. The bodies had been essentially roasting in the house for what police believed to be weeks, possibly even a month, until they were discovered. The Robesons were actually scheduled to take a little trip to Kentucky during this time, and a note had been left on the door, which explained why nobody was alarmed when they weren't seen or heard from. This was either very convenient for the killer, or it was planned. 
On top of all this violence, disturbingly, Shirley's body was found in a sexually posed position. But police think she wasn't actually sexually assaulted, but rather the perpetrator wanted to give off the impression it was sexually motivated. It's said that the bodies were so badly decomposed and completely infested with flies and maggots that the hospital wouldn't even accept the bodies for examination. Instead, a coroner had to examine them in an empty chicken coop at the local fairgrounds, completely donned in essentially hazmat attire due to the smell. Despite the sad state of the bodies, police were able to find shell casings, which let them know that two different guns had been used. 15 shots fired total, but 11 from a 22 caliber rifle and 4 shots from a 25 caliber handgun. Police also discovered some valuables missing, but not all of them. If this had been a robbery, why had cash and some jewelry been taken, but cameras and electronics been left behind? They had some good clues to go off, but it wasn't enough, and they knew they had to start somewhere. This was such a seemingly random attack on a good family who was just enjoying their summer together, but police had to start close to the victims and work their way out, not assuming this was just a stranger-on-stranger crime. It was way too vicious. It had to be of personal nature. Shirley was a loving and devoted mother who spent her time caring for the children. She had no known enemies, and everyone in her circle was either other moms or close friends. The children also had no known enemies. I mean, they're kids. Why would they? The oldest, Richie, was 19, so it's possible, I suppose, that he could have made someone mad who was capable of driving and getting a gun, but after scouring his personal life, all his people were cleared and no motives or grudges ever came to light. But someone who had plenty of time and opportunities to make enemies was the father, 42-year-old Richard Robeson. Richard owned a successful advertisement company along with publishing his own magazine, which left him and his family living a very comfortable lifestyle. This afforded them opportunities to vacation frequently, just like they were at the time of their murders. But what does success sometimes attract? Seedy people. Police thought they better look into people that spent their time around him, and their first stop was his place of work. While they did find a few people who Richard may have had words with business-wise, they were all vetted, but a name that kept coming up was a close employee to Richard, named Joe Scalero. Joe was his close business partner, and also the man left in charge when Richard was away, which was frequently. Looking closer, police find a lengthy history of what they would call sketchy behavior from Joe in past business dealings. He had a pattern of stealing and embezzling before being discovered and moving on to his next job. And it seems like Richard Robeson was Joe's latest victim. While looking into Scalero at the coroner's office, they had ruled that the family had been dead for at least a month, and this may just be a coincidence, but a phone call had been placed from Richard to Joe the very morning of the day that they believe the murders occurred. Police theorized that Richard had figured out what Joe was up to, and a heated phone call had taken place. Did he feel backed into a corner and forced 
to cover his tracks. According to bank records, Richard had called the bank that morning, before the phone call with Joe, to check that an expected deposit of $200,000 had come through. But the bank employee had no record of a transfer ever arriving. And on top of that, his account balance was unusually low. The only other person with access to the account was none other than Mr. Joe Scalero himself. On top of this, the secretary for the ad agency had received an angry phone call from Richard asking to speak with Joe that morning, and she said shortly after this, Joe unexpectedly left the office and wasn't seen again for the rest of the day. As for the last sighting of the family, they were last spotted by tree trimmers that same day at 4 p.m. The only other witness we have is, I guess you would call an ear witness from that evening, stating that they heard gunshots. But because it was still light out, they figured it was just target practice or shooting for fun, so they didn't think much of it. Checking Scalero's history outside of work, they find out that he had been enlisted in the Army for a few years, spent a year at Harvard, and also had a pretty high IQ. But what really stood out was not only did he have an interest in guns, but he was a known marksman. This was more than enough, and police called Joe in, where they went after him, and went after him hard. Once in the interrogation room, police relentlessly questioned him about his whereabouts the day the family was murdered, the same day he was seen leaving the agency and not returning for the entire day. He could provide no alibi or witness for his location that whole day. The stories he did give kept changing and never quite added up. He had given some strange story about attending a convention, then going to a bar, then to drive around and do some shopping, yet nobody at any of these places said they had seen him. As far as the guns go, investigators found out Joe had owned two model .22 caliber rifles, the type believed to have been used in the murders. One was at a friend's house in Chicago, and the other had been given to his brother-in-law and was just never located. Doing some extra credit, police visited a gun range that Scalera was known to frequent, and the employees there said he came in regularly to fire that exact rifle. Digging around in the mud for shell casings, police found the ones belonging to his gun. They were able to confirm this because the rifle that he used used a rare and specific ammo, so the chances of anyone else on that range owning it was extremely small. They were then tested, and the casings were determined to come from the gun that killed the Robesons. On top of this, earlier that year before the murders, Joe had purchased two matching 25 caliber Beretta pistols. He had said he gave one to Richard, who kept it at the cabin, and once examined, police believed that Joe had used Richard's gun as the second weapon since Joe's was at his home and tested already. Even after all this evidence and testing was concluded, Joe was adamant he didn't kill them. He was put through three polygraphs where he failed the first two, and the last one was deemed inconclusive, but we all know these aren't reliable. Backing up Joe was his wife who claimed he was home by 11 p.m. that evening the murders had occurred. If he was last seen at 4 p.m. by the secretary, and it takes five to six hours to get to Goodhart from Detroit, it was impossible that he could have made it back in time. 
That's, of course, assuming his wife is telling the truth. Something else that is hard to ignore is that people don't just go from money fraud to murder overnight. Stealing thousands of dollars to wiping out a whole family seems like a huge leap, but we also know people have been killed over way less. I just wanted to throw in here really quick that um, since this part of the podcast is talking about like kind of business fraud and people possibly having to cover things and being pushed to extreme limits and things like that. Like white collar crimes? Yeah, there is a podcast called Red Collar and I, I don't know when the last time they put an episode out, but I used to love this podcast. Um, yeah, like it's called Red Collar, and they cover cases about this exact same thing. It is about people that are trying to cover up something, people in real life that have been caught or about to be caught and will do extreme things. To get away with it, Yeah, I'm assuming. So hmm. there's, you know, it seems like in this case that maybe Scalero, it seems to someone else who might not really know too much about this, that you're like, okay, yeah, he stole some money. He's going to kill a whole family. Yeah, time to kill everybody. Well, if you need examples, this whole podcast has like so many examples of people, even in recent times, doing that exact same thing. That's yeah, good to know. And that's red collar? Yeah, it's super good. If you're, you know, kind of into that stuff. But Hmm. the whole like people turning into someone else overnight because they're afraid of getting caught or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So back to the case. Hmm. Everyone involved in this case was eager to press charges on Joe Scalero. But the people in charge wanted more evidence and were holding out just in case an accomplice or witness came forward with more helpful information. Since the crime took place in Goodhart, a rather small town, law enforcement and prosecutors happened to be more inexperienced. Detroit officials believed they could have charged and convicted Scalero on the amount of circumstantial evidence they had. Unfortunately, this could have been the difference between justice and none at all. It's now the early 70s when a meeting of law enforcement and prosecutors takes place, where the decision is made to build a case against Joe Scalero, attempting to get him on charges of conspiracy to commit murder. In the years since the murders, Joe had taken over Richard's business interests and driven them completely into the ground. Not only were creditors hounding him constantly, but detectives had never stopped bothering him over the years, even reaching out to his mom on a regular basis, trying to get a hold of him. And surprise, surprise, at the time of this case being brought against him, he was running yet another scheme that was essentially just borrowing money from others to pay off other people. And Shocker. it was all coming raining down on him. Whether the murder charge was the final straw or his own poor choices had overwhelmed him, something pushed him too far. So in 1973, when he was about to be arrested, someone had tipped off Joe's mother, who of course then told Joe. It wasn't police who found him, but, ironically, two men who came to collect a debt. A single gunshot wound to the head from the Beretta he had kept for himself. On his desk was a suicide note. Part of it read, Mother, where do I start? I am a liar, cheat, phony. Any check that any of the people have with your signature on it isn't any good because I forged your name to get, it, to get them off my back. I know I'm sick but seeking help isn't going to help the people I've hurt. 
Later in the letter, he addressed the accusations. I had nothing to do with the Robesons. I'm a cheat, but not a murderer. Since Scalero's death, people have come forth with all sorts of theories. The fact that this doesn't have a solid conclusion has really stuck with people throughout the years. Detectives have chased down all sorts of leads, including stories of Richard owning, or I guess owing the mob, a substantial amount of money, uh, the ad agency having ties to this sketchy underworld crowd, or how a powerful businessman's wife may have been carrying Robeson's baby. It's also said that Richard was having many affairs and even crossed lines with his secretary. Is it possible someone's husband or boyfriend was upset enough to follow the businessman up to a cabin with his family and just wipe everyone out? I don't know. Police also got word that the caretaker had personally known the Robesons. Apparently, his own son had passed away shortly before the murders, and his son was friends with the Robeson boys. There was talk that Richard had paid them a visit to offer his condolences and offered $20 for flowers, which Chauncey was offended by. This was followed up on, but no evidence ever showed this occurring. And that's about as far as the leads go. Over the years, police and detectives have kept asking around, but the people of good heart aren't talking. Whether they know something or don't want to get involved, it isn't clear. Perhaps they want all this to go away, act like it never happened. Maybe if they ignore the newspaper headlines or the anniversary articles written about the murders, it'll be like it never happened and people will feel safe again. Did the answers everyone wants die with Joe that day? Or are we just waiting for someone to slip up all these years later? So that is the case of the Robeson family murders. Yeah, this one was a lot. I remember this one sticking out to me so many years ago, and I don't know why it came to me out of nowhere. I was like, oh, I'm going to do that one next. I think, and I think I remember telling you this like a week ago, it's because I remember distinctly the woman who smelled. Right. And she was just like outside doing her thing with her friends, and she was like, what's that smell? And then it like led to all these dead bodies that's what i was gonna say too. yeah and i remember it being like ew or like you just imagine like hanging out with your friends and being like i smell something and then it ends up being like a whole family a family murder yeah a month ago so that's why it stuck with me because yeah. obviously and then they paint such this gross picture of like what it would have looked like in the summer heat and yeah, yeah but it, weirdly enough <laughs> this is gonna be kind of like one of those things oh where what? Uh, no i just I don't want to say I I would I want to know what that's like, but it makes you wo- <laughs> hope not. it makes you wonder kind of like because this bridge game that these women were playing yeah. like wasn't just next door, right? It right. Was like it was yeah because all of away. these little cottages were pretty spaced out, yeah. but this was one of those ones that once I started looking into, it, I'm like, it got so messy towards the end. Like you uh, think it's you're like oh it's Joe, right? I think that's kind of the conclusion yeah, everyone yeah. wanted to, right? But 
without the answers though. Yeah, that's just kind of this weird hanging mystery thing a little bit like the Jamesons that we just covered uh-huh. where you're like, there's no answers. Like, I don't know where we're going to get them from unless in this case is 68. I don't even know. Do the math. Yeah, real. Yeah, almost 60 years ago. Uh, that's insane. Realistically, it, that's it like a whole comes down to the wife. Yeah. You know, if she doesn't say he's home by 11 p.m., then it's like, yeah, this is your guy. And there's been so many cases that have been followed up on years later where you find out the alibi was fake or like, yeah. you know, and back or then you can't Or you just find out that anything. the person was telling the truth sometimes yeah. too, which is crazy also. Or, you know, it's the 60s. How can you, you can't track anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think I am uh, just on my own accord of doing my own research on my side there was a couple of things about how because you you mentioned how the good heart investigators are inexperienced when yeah. it comes to this uh, level of crime that yeah the there was a person that actually used a rag to hold the the hammer that yes. he bludgeoned the daughter yep. and, and because wiped of that wipe yeah wipe the fingerprints off yes so i mean fingerprints were a thing back then but yeah but they weren't exact yeah that's hard fingerprints a hard thing people have been like convicted for life and executed based off of like fingerprints that have been not even Planted, proven maybe, yeah. yeah but also like it's not quite exact like yeah it, it can be but you have to have a really good clear full fingerprint set on both sides it's just yeah Um, something else too, is that there were some things that weren't, um, very cohesive throughout all the articles. So it's kind of hard to really include them, uh, confidently. But another thing was that they had found a footprint with blood in the scene. Clearly someone's walking around and they said that they had matched it to an exact pair that Joe had. But I'm like, I don't know how you do that because they never found Joe's shoes. He, when they went to his house, they were like, show us all your shoes. Mm -hmm. And the pair of shoes was missing. It never matched up. But how do you know that they were his then if they were missing? You never saw him wearing, wearing them and yeah. then saw them disappear. So that was weird. Yeah, unless there's pictures, I guess. Yeah. Or, but, and then, so that yeah. was weird. I don't know. They're like, they were the exact same size. I'm like, okay, that doesn't help yeah. much. I don't know. Did you ever come across the, the, the like, secret group theory? Like, uh, like... Robeson was part of like a group of elite people throughout the world. Yes. Yeah. That's a weird one. Like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And they're assuming that, that this he is what I'm talking about, him, where I was like, like the, there's the main dude that yeah. like orchestrated all this, like a, I don't know, a new world order of. Yeah. It's, yeah so it, that's what I was talking about, like underworld kind of age. Okay, I'm like, yeah, there yeah. was, it was so, yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say is this case took me so many places that I kind of eye rolled, but. <laughs> yeah. It I was, agree. You're like, mm, okay, super, yeah. super power guy over here. So yeah, ruling the world. Yeah. Anyway. It, it, Obviously, tell us what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, this could go anyway. And the sad part too, because yeah. again, going back, don't want to repeat myself, but with the Goodhart investigators, just because of the inexperience, maybe mm-hmm. we don't have the evidence right. um, that could be used today, just yeah. because they weren't equipped for it. You know. Right. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I would love to see, mm-hmm. you know, something concrete come out. With the Jameson's case that we did last time, I've already had a couple of people reach out with their own theories because that was Ooh, kind of a weird yeah. one that just dropped off that kind of like this one, we're left with nothing. So I would love if people did that with this one too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know how much more ridiculous you can get than what we've already kind of talked about, but a secret baby and an underworld. Yeah, or if there's any other one that you guys group. have heard other podcasts, I guess, discuss too. I would love to 
yeah. know, but yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the Robeson family murders. Yeah. And that is, I mean, that's six people. Yeah. In Michigan, right? Yeah. Just an entire family wipe. Yeah. Out. That's so let us know about um, the banter. Oh, <laughs> let us yes, know yes, what yes, you yes, got yes. for your song score and then let us know about this. Yes. So you guys have a lot to reach out to us about. So don't so complain. Get to it. You have a lot of material. <laughs> I'll be here. And no cheating off of your classmates. Yeah. That, that as well. Yeah. Thanks All for right. listening, guys. Thank yeah, you. I, I hope you guys enjoyed try it. to do this more often, but you know, we have a life and stuff. So. Exactly. And if you guys are listening to this Memorial Day weekend, yeah. um, please be safe out there. Don't be dumb. America. Yeah. Something like that. Something All right. Like that. This has been another episode of the True Crime Band <laughs> Podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Adios.